Hey, I'm Greg. And I'm Nathaniel. Welcome to Only an Inkling, where we only talk about the Inklings. And we only have an inkling of what we're talking about. this time <laughs> nice <clears throat> i'm on the train again ginger ale zevia nice it's my favorite well creamy root beer is man that's a good one it's really good i i'm uh i've got kirkland signature sparkling orange mango flavor it's basically a sparkling ice if you've ever had those okay they're a sugar-free fruit soda yummo they're pretty good this is my least favorite flavor but they're all pretty good. Mm-hmm. So catch me up on uh, your last couple of weeks. I know you've been pretty busy. Yeah. What have you been doing? Where have you been? So I went to my cousin's wedding in Ohio. So I traveled up with my parents and met my brothers up there, and we went and saw my cousin and aunt and un- cousins and aunt and uncle that live up in Ohio, and watched her get married, and that was really good. Really cute wedding. They did. Lego and superhero theme. Oh, fun! So, they had they actually the cake looked like it was made out of Legos. That's cool. Yeah, it was it was a fun little wedding. Um, were you outdoors or no? We were in a church. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, it was kind of coolish and rainy up there that weekend. Oh, <clears throat> isn't that good luck for a wedding? That superstition know. would have it. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm, what are you? What is the what is the superstition? If it rains on your wedding, that's a good luck or something oh. like that. Maybe that just to make you feel better for the fact that it's raining on your wedding. That'd be like a Wichita <laughs> saying if it's windy on your wedding, because it's always ninety mile per hour winds. Wind, yeah. <laughs> Even as we speak, it yeah. is so windy. It's out. crazy windy this week. Yeah, at least during the time this recording, I should say. Yeah. We're just getting blown away today. Yeah. And then we went down. Last weekend, well, not I guess not last weekend, two weekends ago at this point, to my in-laws, my father and mother-in-law's house for Easter and met up with family down there to celebrate Easter and just spend time with family. And that was a really good time, too. So Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So it's been two weeks? Two weekends of traveling, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Time flies. Well, then this... Last Monday we weren't able to get together, so we had to reschedule again. So yep, it's been like three weeks for us to actually sit down and record. I Isn't think that crazy how that works. I'm yeah. thankful that we've been cranking out enough episodes to <laughs> keep going because yeah, sometimes we yeah. go for for a while. Um, I've just been uh, doing my school thing, yeah. wrapping up the semester, and. Uh, Weird sounds you hear in the background is uh, one of my dogs, yep. Zoe. She wants to be in the podcast today, so she's going to whine and sneeze and lick herself a lot. <laughs> she's only got two teeth left, and so she does a lot of, um, it sounds like, it may sound like we're stirring spaghetti during the podcast, but um, it's the dog. <laughs> <laughs> she makes those most uh, the most Smacking annoying sounds. sounds. Yeah, <laughs> the sounds that you don't want to hear at like two a.m. when you're trying yeah. to sleep. That's her. The dogs don't want to be left out tonight. Yeah, I started a new position at work a few weeks back. Yeah, 
as a bereavement coordinator slash chaplain um, for the hospice organization I work for, and uh, that's been great. Yeah. That's uh, that's right up my alley, I think, and um, it's great for you know what I'm learning for therapy right. and. Um, I get to provide a lot of uh, grief support and grief education to those who have lost loved ones. And, yeah. Um, sometimes we get to respond to um, immediate deaths that have happened. Mm. So I've been able to go to some facilities right as a, a death has occurred, and you get to be with the family right right there. Uh, and the, it's a really sacred moment, you know. Um, to be with the family and the deceased and to help them during that that moment that transition yeah. and uh today though um i attended three funerals oh wow and they were almost <clears throat> basically back to back i had a i had like an hour break in between one of them um so i went and like grabbed a, a smoothie real quick because i was i was Starting. running out <laughs> um, but uh I have to say, I thought that attending attending funerals is part of the job, so to speak. Yeah. And um, that might sound exhausting, and I even thought that it might be a little exhausting, but I've been to so many funerals in, in just the last, like, two weeks. Yeah. Um, they're really motivating. A lot of them are. Some of them are, are really are um i don't know the right word some of them are are more difficult than others or um the the emphases of each funeral just differs so much okay one crowd um and the whoever is hosting the wedding or the wedding the funeral um sometimes they're really somber Mm -hmm. and sad and melancholy and that's fine a lot of them have been a lot more on the like energized, motivational side. Yeah. So I've left more funerals pumped up and energized. Really? Just to be a better person, to live a more positive life, or to make an impact than I've left sad. Sure. That's been a surprise to me. Yeah. I thought I would just leave really sad all the time. And that's not to say that people aren't grieving in right. each one and there is space to grieve in each of them but a lot of them tend to have a much more positive outlook on life and i found that to be pretty motivating yeah so the last funeral i went to was last year and it was it was much more positive and and um encouraging too it was he was he was a christian and it was um unexpected death a childhood friend that passed and nobody i mean he was a year or two younger than I am, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but his funeral was really encouraging, and I didn't feel necessarily pumped up, but it was also like motivating, like you said. Yeah. To to be to be better and to grow as a person and and make the most of the life we have. So. And you know, maybe it's <laughs> maybe in my situation, it's it's just because we are focused on hospice care. Yeah. That. Not all of the deaths are, um, you know, that take a while. Uh, normally in hospice care, you have a bit more time to prepare yourself. Yeah. There's still a shock phase that happens. 
Oh, there's Zoe again. <laughs> there is a shock phase that happens, but it's not as prolonged as a death that was unexpected. Yeah. So um, perhaps these uh, funerals are a bit more um, energized or positive because people had time to prepare. That makes sense. Because uh, I imagine funerals outside of hospice care sometimes can have a really big shock factor or yeah. something a lot more unexpected. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes um, that happens in hospice care, too. Do you, do you find that um, in this new position, <clears throat> are people opening up a lot more? Like, do you find, like, a heightened level of vulnerability where people are, like, willing to face things or go places that maybe they'd otherwise avoid? Or do you, or is that not? No. No, not at <laughs> all. Okay. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm discovering uh, very quickly is that... Everybody grieves so differently. You don't know um, the type of griever you're gonna get. Okay. From person to person. Okay. And so we make uh, a lot of phone calls on a daily basis. Okay. And we, we we have people on like a bereavement program for 15 months mm -hmm. uh, after they lose lose a, a loved one, and so we follow them as the term. Which means yeah. We send them mailings, make phone calls, and visits. Yeah. And um, some people don't don't want to talk at all. Some people will answer your calls or let you come visit them, and um, they don't they don't elaborate on anything. They just give you a clear cut yes or no mm -hmm. to your question. The, the conversation feels very limited. Yeah. And then some people are like really open yeah. and ready to talk, and sometimes you call people and they're angry. Yeah. Sometimes you call people and they're sad. Sometimes you call people and they're like the happiest people in the world. And you just don't know yeah. what you're going to get moment to moment. And I think that's that might be a, a bit more of the, um, for lack of better terms, a more exciting part of my job is not what they're going through, but the unpredictability of the work. Oh, okay. That's helpful for me because I like the, the changes and yeah. stuff. But... Um, everybody's grieving so differently so especially for the people who are angry mm -hmm. i try to tell myself like as uh, just the quickest breath prayer mm -hmm. if you will is uh, god give me your wisdom and help me to let people be themselves while they yeah. grieve so if someone is mean to me on the phone let's yeah. say um i understand that to be them grieving Okay. So I don't have to return the anger. Yeah. I can understand that they're they're hurting. Okay. And if you've lost a loved one, that's that's an unnatural thing. It feels unnatural. Yeah. And so you want to protect yourself. Yeah. So I take that to be that they're grieving and that their anger truly isn't directed towards me. They're hurting. Yeah. And uh, I think as long as I can hold that perspective, that helps a lot. Mm. So I've had people yell at me, and there wasn't really a reason to, but they just, that's what they did. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but it's not always like that. That's hardly the case, I think. Yeah. But um, people are grieving so differently. Well, I think that's a good example of what Screwtape's letter this week is about. Mm. Humility or yeah. pride, however you want to look at it, from whichever yeah. angle. Normally, when I talk, it's it's from pride. <laughs> well, I mean, 
to be able to recognize that the people you're talking to on the phone are grieving and hurting yep and that you know you don't have to respond in kind to their negative response to you to their negative comments or yelling or whatever uh, I think that takes quite a degree of humility because I know my first inclination would be I don't care if you're hurting you don't treat me this way which is obviously pride oh man <laughs> well I appreciate the compliment yeah. I um yeah I yeah I just know that that's I don't know if I got angry <clears throat> It's because they're grieving that mm-hmm. that kind of response would really, that would really <laughs> crank the fire things, up. Yeah. <laughs> that would explode. Sure. Because, you know, I don't have to tell you when they're grieving, everything is so raw and yeah. fresh and authentic that they're kind of at the end of their rope for any kind of lack of authenticity Mm. so if i do something that really amps them up they're just going to let me have it because they are not in the mood for any kind of you know playing around or sarcasm beating around the bush they're ready just to tell you how it is because you know when you're grieving life is really opened up to you yeah like what is essential sure and so if I just return the favor, that would just be, oh, Oh, yeah, man. not a good thing. I'd probably lose my job, too. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, how's your humility been this week? How's that for a question? <laughs> well, um, got through this chapter. So, by the way, today might be a little bit rough. We don't know. We'll see how this goes. It's gonna be we, great. We don't have notes, so we just we just read and we're just you know we're gonna go for it. You're not supposed to tell people that. <laughs> uh, well, I don't have any. I think Greg has some. We're trying to be authentic. <clears throat> we're being authentic, no. yeah, really authentic. So I I listened to this chapter uh, in the audiobook. I read it too, but I I listened to it several times today because I knew I wasn't gonna have time to take notes. <clears throat> and so I get home, and I can't. Mariah's trying to tell me something, and I can't hear what she's saying. And she, making her repeat herself, especially more than twice, is like, in just a huge pet peeve. It really makes her mad. (laughs) Okay. And uh, so I made her mad first thing when I got home today, because I couldn't hear her, and I kept asking what, because I was trying to listen over the dog. Say what? Say what? What'd you say now? Uh, what, what? So, and, and it was partially my fault because I failed to let her know what part of what she said I couldn't hear. It's a what of the it's what? what? So, then, so then I I thought, okay, after I walked away and I came back, I thought, okay, I've been listening to this chapter talking about pride and humility and I thought I should be humble and apologize quickly and own what I did wrong and my failing. And then I completely missed a whole Uh-oh. other side of it that I my my ego or my pride got in the way of so oh, no. it's it's easy like I thought okay I'm gonna I'm gonna try and apply this and then I still <laughs> so the so the I didn't fly off the handlebars but like I still missed um taking responsibility being humble enough to take responsibility for something so all that to say sometimes I don't know how's my pride and humility doing Mm. I think it's it's ongoing struggle. Scale of one <laughs> to ten, where are you at this week? <clears throat> I don't know, maybe a, 
maybe pride's at a seven and humility's at a four. Okay. <laughs> okay, that would put you at like, I don't know, what, what would that or be? Three, like a... four, three, three, four, whatever, yeah. Okay. That's like a 30%. Yeah. That's like an F, man. Yeah, I'm not, I guess I'm not doing so good. <laughs> no, I think in your response that deserves to be bumped up. You know, we need a bell curve on this. A so bell yeah, curve on this grade. Get some adjustments. Yeah, I, I think though, um, reading this chapter, it's like really made me realize, man, there's a lot of things I do that are out of pride. Same here. So, yeah. 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 I probably, I probably rate myself similarly, I think. Just because yeah. of... I've been aware throughout the week how I've wanted to be humble. And that's my first uh -huh. cue that maybe it's not true humility. <laughs> which I'm sure we'll talk about later. Yeah. But uh, it's like... We'll just get into... I mean, it's like, it's like jazz. Though I was thinking about this. <clears throat> or any kind of musical improvisation mm -hmm. where when you're improvising when you're playing music mm -hmm. or you're soloing there are moments when you don't know what you're going to play you don't know what you're gonna do mm -hmm. and it just flows out of you the music really becomes an expression out of your body that you're even surprised by in a way, you become an audience member as well, and you're, you're watching yourself play. And there are moments in your improv where you realize what you're doing, and you might even have this internal commentary like, whoa, what I just did was really cool. Yeah. And it's at that moment of realization where you lose the flow of your improv. Oh, you see what I'm saying? Because you all of a sudden become aware of the cool thing you did, and then it becomes... It becomes inauthentic. Okay. You try to keep it going, or you mm -hmm. try to replicate whatever it was that you just did, Yeah. and it's not the same. And then you start to get this overwhelming sense that not only do you recognize it, but now the crowd is starting to recognize it too. Yeah. And now you just went from being really awesome to a phony. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. And I just, I wonder if humility is like that. I, I would hazard a guess that it is. Yeah. Because it seems like what this letter is going to be about <clears throat> is um, humility, what it is and what it isn't. Right. And <clears throat> at least it seems like what Lewis wants us to know about true humility is that you normally don't recognize it yeah and when you do that might be part of the problem yeah and it's not you know i was so i was listening to this book and on the way home from work I, I had just finished listening to the chapter again and i thought there's there is somewhere in one of lewis's books <laughs> where he talks about this on a, on a deeper level uh-huh pride and humility i think he talks about it some in mere christianity but there's another spot and he talks about like false humility even more than he mm. does in this chapter. And I never did find it. I can't remember where which book it's in. So I didn't find it. But um, he talks about how, and he says some of it here, but he talks about how true humility is not self-deprivation. 
deprivation deprecation deprecation it's not putting yourself down it's not when someone says wow you did such a good job playing that uh that song today you don't have to like demean yourself uh-huh uh, to, to appear humble it's just like yeah I, I did a good job but it doesn't really matter uh-huh like I'm I'm content that that I can do this but I'm content that you can do it too you know yeah and he talks about that in here also but I wish I could have found that but that's an interesting concept I remember reading years ago from him that there is a false humility and we tend to fall prey to that a lot so that and it's really about appearing humble it's not yeah. really about really being humble yeah the, the famous line i remember by lewis is humility is not thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less yeah and just where you yourself are not coming to mind as much mm -hmm. as before but i thought that after reading letter 14 he actually puts it a bit differently um so maybe we can get into that because yeah. <clears throat> he seems to be saying here that humility isn't just thinking of yourself less but it's getting to a point of comfortability not only with others performances and yeah. achievements but also with your own yeah and so it's not simply thinking of yourself less as if you don't come to mind as much but when you do there is a peace or a comfort and even an enjoyment about what you do but it seems to have somehow like um, circumvented pride. Yeah. It got away from it somehow. So like there is a way to be proud of yourself and to enjoy your accomplishments in a way that is not prideful. Yeah. And that's tricky to say because we just said to be proud of yourself without being proud. <laughs> Basically. Uh -huh. But but I, I mean, I agree with you and I think... It kind of goes back to that idea I think we talked about a couple chapters ago of, at least it reminds me of this, uh, being able to enjoy a thing just for the pure enjoyment of it, you know, Yeah. and finding that within yourself, within your, uh, let me rephrase that, that sounds a little odd, um, finding that, man, you know, God really gifted me with this is not true of myself, but it is of Greg, music and being able to play music and, and do that. And I find joy in that and I just enjoy doing it for the sake of doing it. Mm -hmm. But I don't have to gloat about it or receive praise to enjoy it. Right. I think that's the tricky thing to actually be able to find those things and then and and actually get to that place. Yeah. Because it's real easy to slip into, well, man, I really enjoyed all the attention I got for this. Yeah, yeah. And definitely for me anyway. Well, you know, Lewis, uh, via screw tape in this letter, talks about how God wants people to know that God has gifted each and every one of us with talents. Yeah. And the prideful thing that screw tape and Wormwood want to do is make you think that the talent is all yours. Yeah. But Lewis also suggests, via screw tape, that we can become experts in things and perfect mm. things. So I started to think, how the heck can I make sense of all this yeah. with humility? So like, I I used to say way back when I remember saying like, oh, you know, I play the drums and I've uh, I've played the drums for years and years, mm -hmm. and 
I put my heart and soul into it to perfect it and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And so that is all my doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure God is pleased with that. And then I really moved away from that and thought, this is something that God has given me. Yeah. And I think Lewis actually wants to try to bring this to some kind of balance. And the way I thought about it is like, I remember in elementary school, my folks bought me a bicycle for Christmas. Mm -hmm. And I was ecstatic. Sure. And I did not know how to ride a bike. (laughs) And I mean, this is like first grade. When I first started riding this bike, I fell a lot. Yeah. It was a painful experience. And I was excited the whole way. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. weird how that worked. Terrifying, excited. I've got to get this thing figured out because this is my ticket. Like Ticket to make freedom. It, yeah, yeah. I can make it down the block way faster than I used to. You know? <laughs> and I could start going to see friends and all that. Um, there was a girl I liked down the block. I could go cruise past her house, you know, show her my new wheels. <laughs> but riding my bicycle is something that I got to perfect, and it was a gift. Because mm. your parents gave it to you. I didn't do anything to get that bicycle, yeah. but I did get better at bicycling. Yeah. And I think that might be an illustration of this kind of humility. That's good. Of something you've received freely, but something you continue to gain expertise in. Yeah. So it's like at once you could say in a moment of pride, look at what I've done. Yeah. But you are immediately humbled if you remember, well, this was given to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I think that this is what humility is like. Yeah. It's given to you. And it just goes back to that recognition factor again that yeah, the enemy wants to come in and, and play with your mind to make you think that yeah. this is something great that, that you've accomplished. Hmm. And it, at once you want to say it is, but then again it, it isn't. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, so I, I like to draw. I haven't been drawing much lately. That's an understatement. Your art is incredible. <laughs> but I... Um, what was I'm trying to follow your analogy, but in like like something that you're talented with. You Sorry, know, I'm probably just it. confusing things. <laughs> no, you're good. I like the analogy. I think it's really good. So, God probably... I could, we could say God gave me the ability to draw. He gave me eyes that allow me to see well enough to draw. He gave me a mind that functions that way, and he gave me hands capable of drawing. Yeah. I didn't do anything to have these things that allow me to be able to draw. Right. But I did, I have spent a lifetime practicing uh-huh. and getting better at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, ultimately, the, the, it's a it's a gift first yeah it's not something that i really achieved mm-hmm. <clears throat> so i think that i think that analogy with the bicycle works really well well thank you yeah i'm gonna close the door here try and keep the dogs out <laughs> i heard kelly just pulled up so the dogs are gonna go berserk yeah <laughs> yeah I, I, wormwood's upset because the patient is no longer thinking about his life in a fantasy-like way yeah 
but rather realistically moment to moment. And this points to humility. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I think is revealing about this moment to moment <clears throat> thinking, more realistic thinking, is that this is uh, like Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm. One of the greatest achievements of those in recovery in the AA program is that they know that their recovery is minute by minute. Mm. If you ask someone who is a true member of AA how their recovery is going, they will just tell you, I have been clean the last two minutes and 33 seconds. Mm. Because you are taught to not try to think of your recovery as a long span of time, but to take your recovery minute by minute. Mm. So a lot of people in recovery keep uh, journals even, and they log the time mm. uh, each day that they've been clean. You know, like I wake up in the morning, okay, great, I've been yeah. sober for two minutes now. Nice. So it's like you need to celebrate every single moment that you are clean. Rather than trying to think of making it to like, well, I can't celebrate until I hit six months or whatever and get yeah. my recovery coin or whatever. And, um, you know, remember Lewis mentioned beforehand that one of the devil's tricks was to get us to think so imaginatively at how great and godly we can be for the world. Like mm -hmm. we always hear about as as Protestants, I think of like reaching the world and being a world changer, making an impact on the world mm -hmm. to where things almost just become uh, fantastical, yeah. imaginative. Yeah. And you think about things on such large scale terms that you forget about the people you live with. Yeah. <laughs> you forget about your coworkers or the people you have immediate contact with on a day to day basis. Yeah. Well, the great danger here for, for Wormwood and Screwtape is that the patient is no longer doing that. He is now thinking and living moment to moment. Yeah. Which means he has moved away from thinking about impacting the world to just what is happening in front of my face yeah. in a minute to minute basis. Like, who are the people I'm actually coming in contact with today? He's becoming more... Um more self-aware i guess yeah which is the opposite of what screw tape has been encouraging wormwood to do all this time mm -hmm. don't let him don't let him see what's really going on and now he's in that more moment to moment i'm just going to look for the grace for this moment yeah to to overcome and then mm -hmm. yeah You've been listening to Only an Inkling. If you like this podcast, you already know what to do. 